Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with Donating Jamesy. <laughs> and uh, Long Hose Brando. Oh, that's that. That's the nickname. Remember? Remember we said last week? That... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a guy out there that wouldn't <laughs> like the nickname Long Hose. Yeah. Their name. Yeah. Well... If the shoe fits. Well, where we last left the people talking about the octopus alternative, Brando. Mm-hmm. The author, Jim Hall, was saying that it was up to the agencies to realize the benefit of this octopus and start bringing it in so that it's just forced upon the people rather than just waiting around for the... You know, the people to change because the people had a lot of concerns that they were going to get foisted <laughs> by the get this by the companies and yeah. make them buy this new octopus contraption. But did they have no problem buying that snorkel? I guess it's a lot cheaper, but <laughs> that was foisted upon them, really. I mean, think about it. Well, it's an interesting thing to think about right so when you look at scuba evolving out of skin diving the snorkel was an integral piece to the puzzle and the the regulator came second so it was just added this is kind of the the thing that i was saying you know last week or so that so much of what we have for an equipment configuration today has been just added on and added on and added on over the years and nobody has ever stopped and really completely rethought the game other than, you know, you know, like old Jamesy and Brando here <laughs> trying, you know, the, the brilliant minds of Jamesy and Brando. Well, we can't take saying, the credit. Wait, let's, yeah. let's rethink. Mm-hmm. Let's rethink this, right? I mean, the, the, the philosophy we teach is it looks at the end game, right. you know, the, the, the most difficult environments you can be in extreme depth extreme overhead what do i have to have there right what am i going to take with me there how am i going to configure my equipment there and then we scale it all the way back to scuba stands for all things right in the it's world it's your very first day of classes <laughs> this is yeah <laughs> this is how you put your gear together um yeah, but we can't take the credit for that, Jamesy. I mean, we are standing no, on the no. shoulders of the Giants, um, much smarter and uh, much more diving experience and much more prolific than us. They saw it. They saw the need, and then they saw, you know, they had the need in their the environments we're talking about. And so they came up with, and through trial and error, I mean, there, it was, it was you know... <laughs> It was uh, paved with dead bodies to a certain degree, right? I mean, most definitely. Yeah. You know, the they didn't just one day wake up and say, "You know what? We need a seven foot hose <laughs> clipped to the right post, routed around the front right. of the body." Uh, you know, coming back into the mouth from the right side with a three eighths inch bolt snap yeah. stainless steel. You know, yeah. hooked to the right chest steering. You know, for a long time, you know, it was you know, you know, the long hose came into play, but. Just like what we're going to see here, the way to use that long hose, just like the way to use the octopus, there was a lot of question marks. Yeah, exactly. And the the looping, the hog looping, oh, yeah. you know, you know, I had heard stories that originally came out that 
old Holgarth was just too cheap to buy Bungie, and so he just used to loop his rig. Could have been. You know, I, I've heard, you know, and then people were like, wow, that actually is kind of brilliant. Well, I think probably it, that's more true than not true um, because – so you try that that way and you you go, wow, wow, this is pretty good because I can practice it. I can do my, my S drill um, beforehand and I can stow it myself instead of, hey, uh, let's practice a donation before we enter this cave and then can you stow it back in my – uh, clown bungee. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I remember my first experience with the long hose a long time ago was just that. It's like, okay, so we have to do this drill where we donate it, mm-hmm. pull it out, make sure it's completely usable. Normally, you would do this at the very beginning, but we're going to wait to the very end because, as you can see, it's perfect. It's nearly, time. Impo- <laughs> it's nearly impossible to restow. If we would have had an air share. I would have done all right. Or if we would have, it's lucky we didn't have an air share because it's all fucked up in the back there. <laughs> right, right. It never would have worked. But yeah, I, I mean, I, when I, again, I tried all of these configurations because uh, my original cave instructor, he was the one that told me to, to try them all. Um, I think I'm trying to re- recall back then. I think he actually had it bungeed as well. He that was his method of of diving. But yeah, you know, butt mounted canister light, that big ass uh, giganto AU. I think it was AUL. Could have been a diver. I don't Amer- know. Oh, the American yeah. Underwater Light. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, no. And then I had the Dive Right MLS. The, the, the MLS. That yes, monster, the modular yeah. lighting system that I had that for a while too. And I actually, I, I probably still have an MLS canister in my in my relics, <laughs> my shed full of relics. <laughs> I can't throw oh, yeah, shit that, away. I don't know. It's like we got to next time we go to Florida, we got to get over to to Larry Green's, and he's in his, out in his garage there. He's got the the evolution of dive light batteries. Oh yeah, of, of oh, caves. Uh, it's pretty pretty wild. Strapping a refrigerator onto you onto your for side, lighting. No, it basically, was you know <laughs> just smaller than a car battery. Two of them, um, just smaller than a car battery, <laughs> kind of deal. You know, twelve pounds negative underwater, or some craziness. I can't remember the exact. Well, you just mentioned a minute ago about us standing on the shoulders of giants. You know looking at you know what we do now but it, it was because of the same kind of thing of like we had the revelation at one point of like finally like oh something that's starting to make sense because mm-hmm. you we were getting that for so long of like try this try that try this that's not right i don't like this this is a pain in the ass this, this is downright dangerous you know all, right. all these different things you try over the years trying to find that magical thing that just always works consistently right yeah something that's basically uh cross environmental applicable if that's the right word and here at this time of this article they're kind of at this point where they don't know what to do there's nothing there this is all really brand new to them and they're going to take take this they they realize they want this octopus but they really don't have any shoulders to stand on themselves at this point. Yeah. And the problem that they're going to have is 
the piece of equipment in their minds is the fix. And the the piece of equipment (laughs) is going to continue to be the fix for decades to come. When I read through this, and I know you, you're having the same revelations as of me when we keep talking and get on these sidetracks mm-hmm. of turning this little article into three episodes, is it's the training and the use of it is where the real issue is going to end up being. So they were joined by the training director of Patty, a guy by the name of Dennis Graver at the time. And uh, these guys went out to California Grabbed some uh, octopuses. Octopi. Octopi. And uh, tried to figure out how they could standardize the use of this new device. You know, their uh, their plan was to figure out how to rig it. You know, look at the, you know, what would be the best configuration. You know, right-hand access, left-hand access, uh, how long of a hose they should use for the octopus, what kind of a position should they keep it in, should they just let the octo dangle, should they strap it to the side of a tank, should they use a neck strap, uh, should they attach it to the center of the chest, You know where, where should they put it. Uh, they, they wanted to look at approaches. Should you mm-hmm. always approach the person from the front or from the side? Does it make more sense to approach from the right side versus the left side or come up from behind them? Uh, they wanted to look at a sense with the octopus with, and also they looked at without weight belts. Uh, should we hold on to each other? Should we be free and not holding each other during the ascent? Um, and then they also had a concern, Brando, of the performance of the regulator. Now, can two of us breathe at depth from the same regulator and get enough gas supply to, to to be able to breathe of course they would be i mean it's all it's all new is uh, is the first stage going to keep up with that demand yeah there's a so there's a lot to to consider a lot to think about back in these days when they're going from a time where all we have is one second stage that we're going to buddy breathe and share now we've got this new device how do we use it more importantly how do we teach it and how do we integrate it into the mainstream educational platform right pretty exciting i guess if you're if you're involved with the scuba education world it's a it's a whole new it's a whole new ball game really it's a whole new uh, equipment and skill set to learn yeah it's pretty so, cool right yeah. i mean they're, they're and they're writing the book, right? Exactly. For yeah, and it's going to save lives. Well, that's it's the idea of it, right? Yeah. Now he says our tests were very enlightening, and we strongly recommend that our results be considered by every training agency and the National Scuba Training Committee. We are not advocating the abandonment of buddy breathing. That is a very useful skill and should continue to be taught. However, we feel our evaluation of the octopus rig now enables us to have a superior alternative to many of out-of-air situations. Further testing and any ideas this article stimulates may reveal even better techniques. Interesting. And obviously, over the years, you know, the octopus, you know, some people did route it on the traditional, as we'd call it, right-side octopus. 
Uh, some schools taught it a left side octopus donation. Some schools went to the air inflator regulator octopus idea. <laughs> so yeah, it, the magnet, it, the it doodle, did, McDoodles. Yeah. The, the air McDoodle world. Now, Jim says there appears to be minimal value in which side the octopus rig is located. Several companies manufacture regulators that have an octopus located on the left-hand side of the diver. All others have a right-handed octopus. What is very important is the length of the octopus hose for proper positioning of the receiving diver and to prevent too great a kink in the hose, the octopus rig should be at least 10 inches to a foot longer than the primary air supply. And you mentioned that co- some companies have, you know, the, the side exhaust, like the Poseidons, yeah. the Agas, mm-hmm. that you could use, you know, either way because the, uh, uh, the exhaust T was going to become an issue as well by accidentally <clears throat> donating yeah. that rig right. upside down. Yeah, shower head type. But that's the kind of the issue, you know, the uh, the NASDS school for the longest time, you know, was having the octopus coming from the left side of the body because it does when it when you present the second stage, it does present itself facing the diver, whereas the octo coming from the right side of the body kind of has to swing that S shape around to get the second stage coming. Yeah. And feeding the mouthpiece to the diver. They mentioned in here that just having the second stage at a regular length was too short. Yeah. For for clean use. Well, unless you're really close, a really close dive team, dive buddies. You know, do you want to be that close to anybody that you're not, like, intimate with? No offense to you, especially. Like, I, don't know. I, don't know. I don't want you staring into my eyes and I can, you know, our masks are kind of touching. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, if it's you're, you're, if you're on a first date, you go with the short, short hose. Octopus. Yes, it's very the short yeah. octopus hose. Yeah, there you go. Or buddy breathing because it's almost like making hold out. Me, hold me close. <laughs> You could go, I mean, really. <laughs> so the answer here, though, is, hey, you, you need a hose that's a foot longer than normal. But when what we're going to see over the years, and this is where the idea of the Air McDoodle pops up, is that long octopus hose protruding around your body like, like you got a hula hoop hanging off around you. Yeah. Tangling up on everything as you try to swim through, you know, uh, part of a shipwreck or swim through a, a cave restriction or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah any kind no, of restriction. Yeah, you want to sw- yeah. swim through like a, like a little uh, coral. You want to move through a swim through of coral. You know, getting that thing tangled up on sea fans and yeah. sponges. Even get close to the bottom at all, you know, especially, you know, your photography or videography you want to be in the nitty-gritty of the the sea bottom a lot of right times, so the right? yeah and the thought that you're probably very rarely going to need it is why the integrated inflator became an idea to get rid of the hose 
Yeah. But we still have the problem of now when I got to donate the short one, it's short hose time. It's short hose time. And you know, if you're going to be short hosing, Brando, <laughs> you better have a summer bod. <laughs> That's damn straight. All right, what about you? Are you ready to unveil your beach bod this summer? I just went for a little jog yesterday morning. With your shirt off and hey, hey ladies. Look check out this Manscaped <laughs> beach bod, ladies. I'm using Manscaped. And they're here to ensure that my body is ready for the wild. With their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products, I don't want to be running down the, you know, the, <laughs> the street doing my morning jog with that Austin Powers chest hair. I hear you. Spe- I hear you. I'm, not, I'm a little more I'm modest to... than you. I don't go running with my shirt off, but I do well, go to the pool with my shirt off. Well, especially, you know, if, as I'm trying to tone back up those wintry man tits well it's gonna happen you know you you gotta hit the gym the least the least i can do is make sure they're not all hairy and bushy right it's time for you to get your summer body ready for some hot guy summer by going to (laughs) manscaped.com everybody get 20 percent off free shipping with the code tgdp hot guy summer it's kind of that's sexist Hot guy summer. It's gonna be hot. That sounds like a, a movie that might come out these days. Starring James Ian Brando. Uh, hot guy summer. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't put myself in that classification, but hot guy summer, just the That's name. not a snorkel. <laughs> Is that a snorkel you got in your pocket or Well, if you were using the Lawnmower 4.0, you'd be able to identify exactly. <laughs> what that snorkel was or was not. Really? Whether you're trimming your chest or the uh, treasure chest in your pants, Brando, that 4.0 is the best trimmer on the market. Their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. The AST. And, uh, ASFT, listen, right? Yeah. I know, uh, like uh, I know how you like to play around, play some games. You can even <laughs> trim an arrow pointing to the promised land if you're, you know, if you're bold enough, Brando. That's how. That's know. how accurate. That's how accurate that thing is. Uh, maybe in my younger days, old oh, it's just a, it's not a good look on a on a old guy unless you can pull it off. If you can really pull it off, if you've got the confidence. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com, people. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles over at Manscaped. Brando. Yeah. Positioning of the octopus when not in use appears to be the most critical consideration. It must be ready and accessible for immediate application. Most divers we have seen, Jim said, just let it dangle. This is unacceptable for two reasons. First, it creates a potential snagging problem. Secondly, by allowing the emergency second stage to drag, it will fill with sand. I learned the hard way during one of our simulated emergencies what it is like to breathe from an octopus rig that is filled with sand. I don't think you really had to experiment with that one. I mean, am I, correct me if I'm wrong. I just, it seems like... Common sense. Don't let your shit hang off you. Now, this is 1974. They didn't have any common sense. I don't know. 80, I, 80, <laughs> wait, no, no. 84? 94? 94. 
2004, <laughs> 2014, yeah. uh, we're a year away from 2024. Right. 50 years later, 50 we years. still have yes. the dangling octopus problem. Well, because you've got the paradox. The paradox is it's got to be easily detachable and it's got to be very secure. Easy to detach. It's got to be able to stay in place. They they work against each other. Those are opposites, right? I mean, I was just having mind. this exact conversation with somebody the other day. Attaching the second stage to the side of the tank was only slightly better than letting it dangle. Certainly, sand did not seem to accumulate, but an equally dangerous and far more subtle situation was created. Go on, attaching it to the side of the tank where, I mean, it's not easily accessible, but... Twice while swimming into deeper water using this configuration, Dennis approached me from behind and to one side, placed the octopus rig in his mouth and began to breathe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It doesn't. Bam, they could have reworded bam. that a little better. Jim, Jim I'm just gonna <laughs> sneak up to you and just put this I'm in gonna, my mouth. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna be coming at you from behind. <laughs> I'm gonna put this, this in, in my, my mouth. mouth. Oh, move, move your leg. Move your. Jim, I need you to move your leg just a little, <laughs> a little left. Upon feeling the tug of my octopus being taken. <laughs> Note, this was a blind test and not in our dive plan. Done to see my natural reaction. Mm. What would anyone's natural reaction be? (laughs) Mm. I think it depends on who you're diving Mm. with. (laughs) I instinctively turned around to see what was happening. The result was that the regulator was pulled from Dennis's mouth by the force of my rotation. It doesn't take much to imagine what could happen to a panicked diver who happened to be inhaling at the time, yeah, I didn't. I don't think you had to to test that one out. You, I think you could have had a little forethought, and you can imagine the issues. We as with most of the air sharing, even you can imagine the issues with the long hose air share, can't you? I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. They're going to talk about, you know, uh, getting the, the regulator donated the proper way and not upside down. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the exhaust tee getting in the way of the mask. Uh, but we sit here and we go, oh, the, the long hose is the most intelligent choice out there because of, you know, the right. reasons that everybody knows that they're getting a working regulator. Um, it's There's a chance that they're going to go for the one in your mouth anyways, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this is why you've got to practice. You know, the, It's all about practice. It's not just about having the long hose. But even still, practiced, if you've never <laughs> accidentally in a practice received an, a regulator upside down, even that, even though you know we're using the right <laughs> one today, it could still be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, and even practiced, uh, it doesn't ensure you will you won't have an issue deploying the long hose if you haven't done a, an S drill or modified S drill at the very least, you know, prior to engaging in the dive. Right, the long hose could be trapped under the necklace. Yeah. The long hose could be tra- you know trapped uh, by a waist belt. Yeah, it could be 
under a shoulder strap. There's a lot of issues that you could have with it. Right. If you go to donate that, it's trapped under the necklace, and the person's truly out of gas, and now both of you don't have a reg in your mouth, and you can't give it to the person. Well, if you're not, you know, a decent diver, if you're just a newbie diver especially, bad things can happen. Oh, yeah, which is why, you know, in my opinion— the buddy breathing still today is a, is a mm-hmm. a viable discussion to to practice, right? You get to the point where you've got nothing but a twenty two inch necklace yeah. that uh, two people two people got to share. Whoa, that's a, that's a toughie. <laughs> it's not impossible, but you got to have two squared away divers to pull that one off. Oh, calm divers too, confident divers, yeah. and that's the thing about a lot of the things we do as far as training. And, and, and introducing new students in the in the uh, you know essential slash fundamentals those are really training guides of, of of a practice routine that you can go into and use for the rest of your diving career. It's not something like oh I did I did essentials and I never did any of the the routines. You know, like we used to do the basic five or the basic six. Or anyway, you, you go ahead and. That's your practice routine that you do constantly, forever. You you go through it. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, just like you when you go into martial arts and you start learning these different the basic moves, forms, yeah. these basic moves and basic forms. You don't stop doing them. No, you continue to do those same old boring basic forms. You just make them so much more refined and yeah, clean and pretty yeah. and less effort and less yeah. less motion to, to perform instinct. them. Yeah, instinctual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you grow with them, but you continue to do them forever. Right. And that's, I mean, that's kind of along the exact same lines, if you ask me, that you're, you're trying to make that asymptote line to perfection, knowing you'll never reach perfection, but you're going to keep getting closer and closer and closer. By practice, practice, practice. Now he says, carrying your short hose, primary, second stage, around your neck with a strap and breathing off your octopus is a potential hazard. Proponents of this configuration argue that it is best to let the panic diver grab your mouthpiece or, if there is time, offer it to him. But remember Dr. McAniff's words from earlier. He said, anytime the mouthpiece is removed, it creates a potential hazard. There's likely going to be very little time during an emergency to calmly hand over your air supply and switch to the regulator strapped to your neck. Indeed, the panic diver may, as happened in our tests, take your face mask with your air supply. Twice during pool tests with novice divers, the regulator came out, but the mouthpiece remained firmly clenched between the instructor's teeth. (laughs) At worst, you run the risk of losing your air just when you might be inhaling. Well, I don't know, James. A lot of things what he said, I mean, uh, what he's saying is true. But the, the psychology and reality of a gas sharing is who's more panicked? The person out of gas is freaking out. The person with gas should be relatively okay. And the person out of gas almost always is going to see the bubbles coming out of your mouth, right? And, and they go, that's the one. I'm just going to grab that one. Especially if they're searching for the octopi because it's right. dangling Dark. somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's not in their triangle of, of 
greatness or whatever you want to call that triangle. <laughs> the triangle of love. It's the triangle of sucking. <laughs> Here we go. So, this episode went downhill quick. <laughs> Between the long hose and the triangle of sucking, we're, we're going to take some criticism on this one from the uh, more conservative of the audience. But, I mean, looking at it in, in the way of you got a panic diver who's out of gas and you've got a diver who is not panicked or not supposed to be panicked. And the, the you know, coming, the ensuing chaos that is about to happen. If you uh, have a dangling alternate second stage that you got to search for, the diver's probably just going to snatch that one out of your mouth. And I think they've proven that a lot already, that the divers typically, no matter if you've got an octopi or if you've got the uh, Air McDoodle or whatever, they're grabbing the one in your mouth because they know it's, they see the gas there. They see air coming out of it. Now, what he's talking about here with the primary regulator strapped around your, your neck, neck right. and then the octopus dangling, okay. right? So for the kids out there that are have been introduced to a long hose and necklace like in their <laughs> early days of diving, yeah. this is they're not talking a necklace like right. we use today, right? So the people that were diving in the seventies and eighties, they used to, you know, ridicule a lot this design. They would call it the, the suicide strap. Remember we call yeah. it the, the yeah, suicide strap? It's like strap? a mask strap, but it, it attaches to your second stage between your mouth pay, mouthpiece at the you know, the hole. Right. And the issue here, the way I see it, is that you're still using a dangling octopus. True. That you're gonna donate Hopefully. Right. Whereas now <laughs> the long the long hose idea is we're breathing the long hose. Yes, and you're just gonna let it go. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna give it to them. Versus having a, a primary that's necklaced, and then an octopus that's, dangling. Right, that creates a confusion of what do I donate? I can't get rid of it. Exactly. So the 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 issue that they had back then is this was a bit of a clusterfuck well yeah because they're still gonna go for the one in the mouth but now it's strapped onto their neck <laughs> i mean they didn't like think through that very much it, because they did, really didn't have any experience to yeah. draw from and, and i understand why a lot of what we would call old timers back in the 90s and early 2000s who remember the use of the suicide straps and going away from it would look at you know the long hose and necklace idea and go oh been there done that no, they haven't. Not really haven't seen it for real in action and been taught it. They just read some articles, heard stories about the suicide strap back in the day, yeah. and were never really presented with a usable option in that system. Yeah, they did exa- almost the opposite of what, what we do. You know, correct. It's still, it's still an octopus, and the only difference is they've made it more difficult for the the out-of-air diver to grab the one on your mouth. They've just made that a cluster. They've made that like a, it's going to be an issue if you grab this one in my mouth. Right. It's right. like grabbing the claw hammer from the claw and then for decades <laughs> telling telling and teaching people that uh-huh. hammers are useless. You can't use a hammer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a good analogy. Our test showed us that what is needed does not exist. 
The best possible location for the octopus when not in use is attached to the chest area of the diver by a firm strap. The hose should be under the diver's arm for positive control. Lanyards are too long and do not hold well. Velcro gets clogged with sand and does not have the gripping power to hold a heavy second stage in place. The buoyancy compensator pocket makes quick access difficult and hides the distinctive bright color of most octopus second stages. What is needed, Brando? Here we go. Is a snap or firm friction clamp that will hold tightly and come free with a determined tug, either by the out-of-air diver or by the donor in case his regulator has been seized. The regulator straps of most tank harnesses or the flaps of buoyancy compensator pockets are areas that lend themselves readily for modification to this configuration. Yeah, I mean, when you actually teach this stuff and you see the people struggle with the octopus, you teach the out of gas drills and almost every time you've got to, before you, it, it's got to be staged, okay? So you've got to make sure the donor's got the octopi nicely in place and, and ready to go. So almost every time you get, okay, we're going to do gas sharing. You get them down at the pool, cross from each other, and then you've got to go over to the donor and get the, get the octopi all situated for them because I guarantee it, they've been, you know, swimming around, getting buoyancy and all that shit and working on stuff, and they haven't paid attention to it very much. And it's either laying on the ground uh, or it's not where it's supposed to be. Correct. They knew here, writing this article, that the octopus is great, mm-hmm. but it kind of sucks, and it's really yeah. hard to, it's really hard to find the right place for it. Yeah. Even if you have one, just having <laughs> it is kind of creating a whole nest of vipers. It could be for us to Have to contend yeah. with. Yeah. Having the equipment isn't always the solution, and and they're right. The concept of having a another second stage for an out-of-gas diver to breathe is a good concept. Now, putting it into real-life circumstances where it can be deployed to that diver consistently and reliably without a problem, well, that's difficult. That's difficult. And And that's the main problem of what we had is, I mean, you and I could easily be sitting here in 2023 having the discussion of 50 years later how the octopus and the the perfect octopus clip that they engineered <laughs> ha- has been a wonderful addition right because well, it's DNA of with AI. because of continued DNA. <laughs> pr- well be- because of the continued practice that was put alongside of wow. the development of it but that's not what happened it was here's your octopus clip it any way you want you got to have one let's move on yeah. Is the reason we got to where we are today is we realize the octopus, you know, yeah, sometimes it works. A lot of times it makes the situation worse. Right. Right. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes it's donated. Sometimes it's missed. Sometimes it's trapped. Sometimes it goes into a mouth upside down and mm-hmm. results in divers rocketing to the surface uh, and embolizing because the, the, the air share turns into water. a. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so they 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 got through so much of it, but they they never finished the last little part of making it all work because they didn't have the knowledge and experience yet. It was going to take decades more to continue yeah. to evolve this idea of the octopus. 
Well, I mean, that's what makes me question a lot of the dive training because, you know, divers who dive and have been through incidents, they, they know what they need in the event of an emergency. They know what problems went on. And especially when you teach, you, you know, running the, you know, fast food scuba training and you watch, just like I said, you have to go get the don- donating diver all situated and ready and so that that second stage is, is still sitting there in his triangle of greatness or whatever. Um, and then you watch, you still it's watch triangle it. triangle of sucking. It's triangle, thank you. The triangle of sucking. It has to be uh, <laughs> ready. And then you watch a lot of times, I shouldn't say a lot, but it happens, the person out of gas will signal, and they'll swim, well, <laughs> you tell them you got to swim towards each other. But what ends up happening is the person sits there and says, I'm out of gas, and the donor has to swim to them, which in real life won't happen, right? Are you going to sit there and I'm out of gas and give you a little fingers across your throat if you're really out of gas? So you try to make right, it more right. realistic, but you see it happen again and again as, as they start approaching each other, it falls out of the, the keeper, or the person goes to grab it, and it doesn't come out of the keeper, <laughs> And they're sitting there wrestling with it for, for you know, a couple moments. And in the pool or even in the open water, very controlled situation with an instructor right there, yeah, not a big deal. So you fix it. You, you finally get a couple air shares that, okay, that's how it's supposed to go. Congratulations, you're an open water diver. And they never practice it again because it's not required until you want to be a rescue diver or dive master. And th- there you have a problem with uh, training. <laughs> There's the, and there is inherently the issue is nobody's taught and nobody's expected to continually practice something like that. Yeah. Well, it, it's not a uh, and not, an ethic. And not even like practice it once in a while. I mean, like in a routine every single time you get in the water right. is the only way you're regardless of what system you use. The only way you're going to be good at it is if you practice it every single time you get in the water. Right. It's got to be part of your routine, your, your, if you want to call it your pre-dive checklist or whatever, but it's got to be part of your routine. Like, you know, the cave diving community came up with the S-drill, which is before every cave dive, you, you do a gas share practice uh, and that kind of thing. And there are situations where it's hard to do that in the water before the dive because of conditions, but so you do it uh, modified on the surface before you go, but just make sure that you can donate and everything's where it's supposed to be. And, uh, it's familiar to you and, and boom, now you have practiced it at least. And it's an ethic that has to be taught. Absolutely. I don't see that in module, any of the modules or chapters. Now I'm still old school. I'm not going to stop calling it a module. (laughs) How old are you? I'm fucking. <laughs> how long? Have you, how long have you been teaching? On the stone tablet, it's not. <laughs> we made many, many ascents during our testing. First, we tried the traditional method of dropping the victim's weight belt before ascending. If done by both parties, perhaps because of extreme depth, this is marginally acceptable. Dropping the victim's weight belt without dropping your own is absolutely not recommended. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Elevator going up. Get back here, you <laughs> s- Elevator going up. up. Yeah, just give him the little wave. Bye-bye. 
It became a real wrestling match between Dennis and myself, with Dennis acting as the anchor during our ascents. The problems we had maintaining good control would only be magnified by novice divers. The rescuers should be ready to drop the victim's belt on the surface if complete control has not been achieved during the ascent. Yeah, so they're saying to dump the lead once you get to the surface because dumping one of the diver's lead, in particular the out-of-gas diver, while it opens up a possible he's going to fly to the surface, even holding on to the regulator and holding on to the diver, if something happens where they've got to let go of each other or the positive buoyancy is too much, you got a, you got a problem. But I, I, you know, I think that's a good idea. Once you get to the surface, get rid of his weight belt. That's great. I mean, yeah, less weight and he's positive buoyance, buoyant, positively buoyant because of the wetsuit and yeah, do rescue, whatever you got to do. You rescue the diver now. Right. And the theory and the thinking back in this day, which really also s- still carries on in, in many educational circles, is when there's an out of air, get to the surface as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, that was how it was taught to me. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so it's like, okay, well, we got the air share, but you're bent to fuck or you got an embolism. Um, we made it, yeah, we made it to the surface, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, but we're going to take a trip. And there's going to also be this issue that we're going to look at later on of like, okay, we've donated gas, we've got that, but if the donor is getting low on air too, oh, yeah, we well. run the risk of both of us running out of air. Right. Right. So so again, the the, the thinking is is still based around getting gas to somebody who doesn't have it and getting to the surface rather than what we have been teaching for years is start the dive assuming this air share right so we can maintain a proper ascent rate a proper decompression along the way of that ascent rate and have enough gas to handle the two divers breathing from the one source right and we also tackle the waiting issue because proper waiting in the beginning takes into account you go out of gas. Can you still stay underwater? And if you've got full tanks and you have an issue, can you still get to the surface without a buoyancy compensator? Do you, right. You know? So nowadays we're trying to address all of that before the dive even begins. Right. Right. So you start with the end in mind, and the end in mind is – we're going to have the worst possible problem at the worst possible time in the dive. And it's not going to change how we come to the surface. Right. And we still want to. Still, <laughs> we're still coming up in control. Right. We're still breathing the whole way. We're uh-huh. still doing all of the necessary stops along the way that we would need to do. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, we'll go back to it's no good to have a, a quote-unquote successful gas share and get to the surface and both of you are bent or embolized or one's bent or embolized. That's I wouldn't call that successful. That's not a win-win. That's a uh, we're, we're alive. But the idea isn't, again, I say this all the time, the purpose of diving is not to, I survived. That's not the purpose of diving. Right. <laughs> and if, you're, if your choices are the lesser of two evils, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's, let's stop and false take a dichotomy. step back. False yeah, let's take a step yeah. back and rethink this. Yeah, there's another option, which is we both get to the surface and we're both perfectly fine and healthy. 
and we did all a, a nice controlled ascent because our number one rule we're in control of our own buoyancy and et cetera, et cetera. We agreed that two positions seemed good during ascents. Side by side with arms linked is acceptable. You do sacrifice some control of the victim this way, but eliminate some mouthpiece strain from the bending hose. Face-to-face, ascents are probably the best, and ascents without touching are easily accomplished if both divers are relaxed. However, no one can be sure when someone is likely to panic. The situation described at the beginning of this article showed panic happening about halfway through the ascent. So we concurred the face-to-face mode with the donating diver holding firmly onto the victim's tank straps is probably the most prudent ascent position. And yeah, yeah, this was and the I development agree, of like what, at the start of any air share, yeah. you know, donating, okay. getting hold of them. You got to communicate. It's a good position because you can see each other. And there's communication with that, whether it's just in the eyeballs or, or whatever, versus if you're next to each other, it's very difficult to see what's really going on in that person's head or, you know, yeah, where is yeah. the level of panic in that diver? That's, I mean, still what I teach today. It's, it's donate the reg, mm-hmm. get them breathing. Right. You know, okay, I'm going to go to my uh, necklace. But I'm holding on. I'm looking at him. I'm looking for that confirmation. I'm right. looking for that. I'm looking for the, that communication with yeah. their eyeballs. Yeah, the glazed over look has hopefully subsided. And because, of the, because that airshare might have to sit right there for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Right? In real Before life. We go wor- yeah. yeah. And at that point, yeah, you can hold on to each other. I don't need to worry about deploying seven feet of hose. We, we don't need it right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right there, you know, and, and, and we might go up just like this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you got to make that decision, and it's based on comfort level. But if it's smarter to swim, you know, a hundred feet back to the to the upline, okay. Once we're calmed down, now I can deploy the rest of this hose. We've got a little bit of room to yeah. to maneuver and kick, so we're not kicking the hell out of each other the whole entire way, and we can communicate a little bit easier. And you you don't have to be three inches from me or whatever, you know. Right. I shouldn't say that close, but we can put a few feet in between us. You can hold on to the hose. We can follow the upline up, and we can look at each other, control our own buoyancy, yeah. When you watch the two side by side, or you compare the two with new divers, you you teach the new divers the standard uh, agency gas sharing method, which is you hold on to each other. Right. And swim down right, to the end of the pool. Right, back. right arm to right arm, right shoulder to right shoulder, and you're literally six to eight inches away from each other because you got a, a few you got an extra foot on the octopi. But and then your left hand's controlling buoyancy and you're trying to look at each other as you're, you know, right in front of each other, shoulder to shoulder kind of thing, right shoulder to right shoulder. So you do that, the divers get up, they uh, orally inflate their BCD, the uh, donating divers holding on to them still. Everybody's okay. Now let's go try a long hose share where you donate out of your mouth. You do just what you say, calm, cool, collected, and you can get away from each other a little bit and see each other and then come up the upline. I've, whenever I've done that kind of thing, invariably the divers say, this one I feel more confident in, and that's the long hose. That 
that octopus job, we're going to have a problem, I think. It's not going to be easy. That's not an easy, if that's the word you want to look at, look for. It's not going to be an easy situation. Whereas with the long hose, it's pretty easy as long as it's practiced. Absolutely, but mm-hmm. it's got to be practiced. Got to be practiced. And, but so does and the, the octopus one. So yeah, does, so does the, the octopus. octopus. And, uh, you, Watch an and so does octopus one. And, and especially so does the air McDoodle. Yeah, you can do it. But, I mean, it's... Air it's, McDoodle introduces a whole new a, level of circusry. It's clown central with the air McDoodle. Especially if they're wearing that snorkel. <laughs> invariably. Invariably. No, they go to the nothing snorkel worse, underwater. Nothing worse than trying to breathe from a snorkel. <laughs> underwater. 30, 40 feet, 30 yeah. feet underwater. <laughs> and half of me is just like, okay, this is a good learning experience. <laughs> but... But the the better half of me says, stop them. Now, Jim goes on, Brando, to talk about, you know, the performance of the regulators and a lot of the opponents of the system at the time saying that they didn't think it was possible for the regulators to provide enough gas to two divers from one first stage. That's an easy time. fix, but, though. But, yeah, you know, so at the time, you know, they were like mm-hmm. – all right, you know, uh, we're going to grab they, they took these uh, engineers from U.S. divers and uh, they grabbed a couple regulators out of the fresh out of the box, just uh, randomly selected and took a couple tanks down to 300 PSI. And even then, on a, on a low performing piston regulator back in the 70s, the uh, the octopus was still delivering gas at 80 percent of its regular volume. And the primary yeah. was working to to standard performance yeah if anything they said it was like breathing off of a regulator that needed a tune-up and needed to go in for some service yeah and then like you just said like that's an easy fix once the engineers realize hey we need a larger gas volume you know the next model the next model that comes out is going to have it right you know they're going to fix that easily bore the hole a little bigger (laughs) he said what did concern us was the rapidity at which the air is consumed while using an octopus rig. <laughs> Little time should be wasted in beginning the ascent during an emergency. If you are low on air and your buddy needs help, get to the surface immediately. Alternate breathing could conserve the air supply, but it is only a temporary solution. Hmm. Okay, this is the rule when, you know, yeah. everybody just had the, hey, you know, 500 PSI, you got to come up. Until at 500 PSI, somebody goes, hey, I need, right. some, I need some of that 500 PSI. Right. No, a lot of folks didn't even have SPGs. They were still trying to dive in the J-valve. Notice <laughs> my face is in your triangle of sucking. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, here we go. But you're right. It was be back on the boat with 500, which doesn't give anybody a real idea of where to end the dive. What's it going to take to get to the surface? And the, I mean, the other side of it was looking at the dive tables. To 30 feet, you were basically unlimited in the amount of time you could stay. And it was 60 feet per minute ascent rate anyway. Um, even in decompression was actually decompression was get to the next stop as quickly as possible. They didn't even say 60 feet per minute um, back in back in the day. But uh, 
for a scuba diver, yeah, I could see them saying, just go, just go to the surface. Yeah, you don't have time. Right? We don't need a second. We don't yeah. need a second out of air situation with two divers out of air. Mm-hmm. Get your ass to the surface immediately. But this is why for decades we had the issue that we would look at in these reports of uh, an out of air situation occurs, uh, octopus is deployed. Both divers get bent, but nobody drowned and died. Uh, <laughs> so it's a win. Out of air diver, one embolized on the way to the surface was, uh, you know, taken to the hospital. It, and these are considered successful out of air situations that somebody yeah. didn't drown, but they led to other problems because there was no proper gas management, mm-hmm. which is the next part of having the tool. Right. Right. You, right. You, just having the tool isn't enough. You have to have the rest of the materials to manage the situation once you have the tool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, like we say, what good is the gas share if you haven't got enough gas to get to the surface safely? Right. You finally, you finally learn how to use the claw hammer and all you have are <laughs> screws. <laughs> Pounding the hell out of it. Right, like again, like look it's, it. it's look at mom, look what I made you. <laughs> he mentions that we also learn to watch out for the exhaust tees in most regulators. In normal breathing positions, there will be no problem. However, should your buddy wind up with the regulator upside down in his mouth, he could breathe a little wet, we admit. Yes. And even with the shower head jobs too, um, you have to you have to be accustomed to them. Otherwise, a lot of divers are like, what the hell do I do with this? They don't know how to purge it. And if they're out of breath, they're not going to be able to do a, a blow purge. So, Right, but you know, you could get a, an exhaust diaphragm rolls on you just oh, by the fast yes. mo- motion of like yeah. throwing a second stage around, right? Yeah. So when the regulator goes into your mouth, if it's if it's a high anxiety situation, there's a lot of things that could go wrong in the donation of gas it's a it's it's a it's a hairy situation any way you look at it so practice and the, yeah. uh, again it's got exactly it's, it's be got practice, to yeah. be pra- if the first time you've used it is uh-huh. been it's been years and you have a little problem like this holy shit it gets donated upside down yeah boom they're, they're gonna go right they're to gonna the freak surface. Yeah, uh, they they take a little bit of water in. They're going to go right, right to the surface. Oh wow! Uh, the, the mouthpiece is missing. I mean, I, I can't tell. I mean, I've mouthpiece. I've seen people donut. Yeah. Right, the, the 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 strap is so tight uh, and secured that, it, and it's behind the little zip tie nub. Yeah, when they, they yank it out, no the mouthpiece goes falling down to the bottom of the uh, <laughs> ocean, whatever. Or I mean, even the long hose, even you know the method we use when we're. When we're teaching, we have to make sure we're teaching that regulator comes out and down out of your mouth. Because if you went to YouTube Academy and you just said, oh, I just donate out of my mouth, invariably it it comes out. Yes, exactly. They unwind it around their neck and and they point the mouthpiece up and it begins to free flow. And our cold water in the Great Lakes or even the quarries or or inland lakes, our cold water, you're not going to stop the free flow now. And try to give an out of gas diver a free flowing second stage. It, oh it, man, it's not yeah, it blows their face yeah. off. 
yeah, it's not going to be fun. Even though, you know, we we mastered it in open water class, breathing from a free-flowing regulator. That, again, is another one. You did it in the pool. You did it on your open water checkout dives, and then you never did it again. So a lot of things to take into consideration. And, and I think every time we bring something up, it always comes back to, yeah, these solutions, they're not really an, an, a one one solution kind of thing it's a well here we do have something they can breathe from but they need to it's a new skill as well that needs to be practiced so jim closes out brando this article by saying there is no doubt from our tests that the octopus rig would immediately begin saving lives if it were adopted everywhere the reality of the situation is that because of backward attitudes and consequent consumer resistance, it is not used by more than 10% of divers today. Buddy breathing, he says, and free ascents should still be taught until the day comes when the octopus rig becomes a viable alternative. We have done the tests. We have made the recommendations it will be interesting to see what the instructional agencies do in the future to promote this aspect of diving safety. It is interesting to see. But, I mean, every, every option, everything they talked about in bringing the octopus into, you know, into the mainstream scuba education system, yeah, it, it, it comes off as, okay, here, it is a solution. It's a part of a solution, though, really, if you think about it, because everything requires a skill set to use. It's not just here is this second stage. It's another second stage on my tank coming off my first stage. Here you go if you need gas. Well, that's we're partly there. We're partly right. there right now. We have to learn to deploy it consistently and uh, and still ascend at a safe rate. And, and it has to be able to be done every time, not – just once in the pool and once out in open water or even twice in the pool and twice in open water has to be done consistently through your scuba career uh, in training and in practice as real dives. Yeah, because the octopus itself is only part of the solution. It's like them trying to like replace all dive tables with just give everybody a computer and uh, that's all they need. Just don't let it go into the red zone. That's all you that there's the decompression lecture. Yeah, well, that's what they've basically come down to. (laughs) And like I've said before, I get it, but then you have to max out, you know, the the training at 30 feet. It's 30 feet. It's a 30-minute dive max. Mm -hmm. You hold the dive master's hand the whole time. That's what your certification is. If that's what you're given for a card, I'm A-OK with it, but that's not what they're doing. Right. That's I not mean, what they're doing. They still and you get the same it. open water certification and they yeah. get invited to a hundred feet of water, you know, <laughs> right on the open water. The first trip they take down to the Caribbean, dive master's like, ah, you'll be fine. Let's go. Yeah, and a hundred feet in the Caribbean is I mean, admittedly, it's fun and easy. It's a lot of light and it's warm. But a hundred feet, you know, over at our local training quarry. Is 39 degrees, and the light goes down, and you have a lot of equipment in the sense of thick, either a super thick wetsuit, which has its own problems inherently, or you're in, you know, you have to get into the dry suit. But if you haven't practiced any of these 
skill sets, you know, self-rescue or uh, rescuing your partner in a gas share. It doesn't matter if you've got that another second stage. It doesn't matter if you've got twins on your back if you don't know how to use them properly, you know. Buy the gear. I mean, it's a, it's an easy sale because when you look at uh, people doing deep dives, they all wear about the same equipment. You know, whether it's twins or stage bottles or even getting into rebreathers, they buy the equipment. Uh, rebreathers, thankfully, they require the course for you to buy it. But even then, a lot of them will take the rebreather well past the training, um, and they it, it takes practice. It takes many many hours. So that's, I mean, we, we preach, we get on this, this and preach this, but this is a great example of the evolution of scuba diving to where we're at right now. And even the things that you and I talk about on a weekly basis that is still being taught, they went through it in this, in this testing the octopi and it's still out there. And it's been 50 years. It's still, it's still the same thing. Yeah, everything they said, you know, dragging the fucking second stage through the mud. And again, just go watch a, a local training site or go hop on a charter. The octopi and the dragging octopus and console and all that shit and the snorkel, that's still out there in, in full force to a certain degree. I would bet it, it's overwhelmingly still the majority. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm teaching open water to some very close family friends, which I don't like teaching open water classes. But when I do, even my my kids and my family, I taught them in a jacket. And, uh, you know, I, ta- I've, I got to follow the standards as far as they got a snorkel and whatnot. And, but I teach them in that because I don't know where they're going to take their diving. And if they go somewhere, what's going to be available for them, you know, to rent a jacket? A jacket right. and the octopi and the console, and the, that's pretty much everywhere. So, yeah. The, the the fact of the matter is, if you're taking your beginner open water class mm-hmm. and you're not ready to drop thousands of dollars right. for all of your own stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, you better know how to use a, a jacket the, the, yeah. and an octopus and, and a, the, the typical stuff that you're going to get rented to. Yeah, no doubt about it. No, you you should. And again, like I say, I don't know where they're going to take their diving. I do like to teach anyone that expresses the interest in the, in my family friends. I say, okay, we're, I'm still going to teach you the mainstream scuba style. But when we're done with that, I'm going to get you into a backplate wing, teach you a long hose necklace, and, and a routine of practice that you do on every dive to use it. And I try to instill that even yeah. if they're... Their you know octopi jacket style and snorkel. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to dive an octopus, the first thing you do when you get in the water is you deploy it mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. Make sure it can breathe it's not from wrapped it. around a strap. Yeah. Breathe from it. Make sure it's not sucking water. Make sure it's breathing properly, and then <laughs> re-sew it how it's supposed to go. So it's yeah, yeah. Whatever system you're using, every single time you get in the water, you got to make sure it's ready to be used. Well, all right, everybody. Hey. What are you guys using out there for an alternate air source? Where do you position your octo in the triangle of sucking? <laughs> you know, we didn't really we didn't really tackle the whole air McDoodle nonsense. I mean, uh, we didn't even I think for, mention for good it. Reason. We're gonna save that. I mean, because that that introduces its whole a uh, whole extra set of uh issues and and potential breakdowns um during a gas share 
Not to mention it looks ridiculous. It is. Well, it's a McDoodle. <laughs> it's a McDoodle. Yeah, there was a there came with a prize in the box though. Well, and one less hose. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> one less hose though. I'm out of there. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for uh, putting up with us on this little uh, little multi-part episodes of uh, the Octopus Alternative. This has been a fun one and a nice detailed look at how we got to using the octopus back in the day. And so thanks, good old uh, Skin Diver back in the mid-70s for this. It's great, too. I mean, I, I love these where we, we look at the history and the, we can see the evolution uh, and they're kind of you try to get in their minds and like go oh, what, the, what was going on back then. All right, uh, let's uh, let's finally sign some logbooks, Randall. Damn it, yes, dear Jamesy, get your long hose out of, <laughs> out of my face, Randall. <laughs> your why is your triangle of sucking upside down this time? <laughs> well, All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Arrivederci. <laughs>